Welcome in, everybody, to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name's Phil. And I'm Stacy. And today we're going to be discussing, reviewing, and fully breaking down Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. This is the sixth movie inside of the franchise and the last inside of what's called the Thorn Trilogy by many people. The IMDb uh, plot synopsis is six years after Michael Myers last terrorized Haddonfield, he returns there in pursuit of his niece, Jamie Lloyd, who escaped with their newborn child, for which Michael and a mysterious cult have sinister plans. The IMDb rating for this movie is a 4.7 out of 10, so even lower than Halloween 5. Um, we're going to get to our uh, review of this movie in a minute, but before we do, I want to talk to you real quick. Uh, you brought this idea up to me. I was deciding what to do about... Uh, the intro of this podcast, what to talk about, and you came up with a really good idea, which was what? Do you watch a movie that you've never seen and change your opinion on said movie before seeing the full thing based on the actor, actors that are in the movie? Yep. So this movie came out in 1995, and it was actually Paul Rudd's first film. His very first one. So oh, wow. if you saw this movie when it first came out, this uh, discussion that we're having right now would have absolutely no effect. But now that we're watching this uh, over about 27 years later, uh, obviously Paul Rudd has gone on to have a great acting uh, career, even in Marvel movies today, like blockbuster, blockbuster movies. There's not many Paul Rudd movies that I've seen that I did not like. Yeah. Um, to me, he's one of the funniest guys out there because I'm a very big dry humor type of person and he is huge into dry humor and you can very much see that by the type of roles that he takes on, whether that is uh, like role models or uh, what the hell is that other one that he's the lead in, Stacy? Is it a comedy? Yeah, it's a comedy. Oh, that's a tough one. I know he's an Ant-Man. Yeah, he's an Ant-Man. That's not the one that I'm thinking of. I love you, man. Yes. It, he uh, He's absolutely hilarious in that one. He's doing the uh, skits uh, with Jason Segal, and they're doing the Rush songs and stuff like that. See, I love you, bro, him. I love you, bro, Chato. And my first <laughs> view of Paul Rudd is not movies. It's a Friends-related mm -hmm. crap bag. So I am very much a horror fan. Stacy is very much a Friends fan, whereas I can watch a horror movie 30 times over. I think, Stacy, you have watched the entire series of Friends probably 30 times. And that much may more. be that may be an understatement. Much uh, more. Every night I stay up and I'll typically watch a horror movie or something like that. And I'll go upstairs and she's passed the hell out. But she's watching Friends. It calms me. <laughs> yeah, so does a horror movie to me. But um so going to your thought on this, so obviously back in the day that would have n absolutely no uh, effect on how you looked at this movie because no, but it was surprising. Rudd was. It was surprising when you brought that point up when we were talking about who was in the movie, and you said Paul Rudd. Now I did not know that this was his first movie. Yep. But and you can tell he's very young in this movie. Very young. Um, and it, it's kind of funny how a lot of big actors get their big breaks in horror movies. So you have uh, Kevin Bacon, very, very young in Friday the 13th one. You have Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, extraordinarily young in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. 
And in this one, you got Paul Rudd in the sixth Halloween movie, uh, Drew Barrymore. While people kind of sort of knew who she was, she got her first huge, huge break in Scream and then became blew up after that. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool how some horror movies can give these uh, act- actors and actresses a name for themselves. Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting conversation to say if you know a certain actors in a movie, does that change your rating? And I think both me and you will give completely different perspectives on this because I, I don't care about who is in a movie at all. I, I could never care less. If I don't know a single person's name inside the movie, whatever, because I probably couldn't have spotted that being Paul Rudd out to begin with. Whereas you... I love it. I love watching a movie and asking you was this guy or this girl in this movie? And I'll sit there all movie trying to figure out where else I know this person from. <laughs> so you probably give the movie an actual higher rating solely because you're not watching the movie and you're just trying to plot in your head where that person's from. <laughs> it drives me nuts because if I know the actor plays somebody, I automatically want to know where they, they also are from. Yeah. So does it... Uh, improve your movie watching experience if there is a big name actor or actress in that? I think it depends on their acting role. Okay. I didn't base it on this movie based on Paul Rudd. Okay. So I I know for a fact I don't, but it, it does bring up an interesting question. Or if you look at it from a different perspective, you can even look at it from a director perspective. I know so many people, so many freaking people who just go, uh, M. Night Shyamalan can do no wrong, yeah. or Steven Spielberg has not made a bad movie. I, yeah. I have not gone through a list of movies that they made, but I, I know for a fact M. Night Shyamalan made uh, The Happening, and that's not a good movie. He also made The Village, which was okay at best. I've actually uh, seen that. Yeah, you've seen both of them. Um, and uh, Steven Spielberg, I guarantee you he's directed some flops. So yeah. everybody does not produce nothing but pure genius. But if you look at it in the aspect of you idolize that person, then instantly it's going to make the movie or you're, it's going to make the person seem that much better to you. If they do a horrible job acting in a movie just because it's that per person you'll give it a pass. Yeah. And I know people do that with music as well. I, I'm a huge Metallica fan. And uh, I'll be the first to admit, St. Anger is not a great album, but I know plenty of people who will justify that, like through and through. Like, no, you're just looking at it from other people's perspectives. No, just listen to the album. If you did not know the name Metallica was attached to it, would you love that album? Would you go out and buy it and constantly be replaying it? And I think that's a a good uh, point of view. Same thing with the title of Halloween. Just because it has the title Halloween, I think it gives you a little bit more leniency to some people. Yep. Like we spoke in some of the other podcasts, it kind of gives them a leeway to say, well, it wasn't a great movie, but it's still part of the franchise. Yep. So let's get into this movie itself, uh, Curse of uh, Michael Myers, Halloween 6. We rate our movies on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being dog shit terrible, don't even waste your time. It gets just horrible. I can't believe that didn't give uh, 
I'll win five a one. I ended up settling on two. Uh, five being average. You can put this movie on. You can put it in the background. And it's a fine movie. You're not going to sing praises of it. But you're also not going to say that it was bad. Ten being this movie was amazing. Everybody should watch it regardless whether you like the genre or not. Where do you rate this movie? One through ten. I was kind of split. I wanted to give it a five right down the middle. But I liked it a little bit more than just the five. So I gave it a seven. Okay. There was parts of it that I really liked. Still a lot of unanswered questions of why they went the way they went. Uh, liked the opening. The story was good. It was there. It was done well. I didn't really care for it. Acting was good. I liked Paul Rudd, but that's not why I gave it a higher rating. Graphics were good. The thing that really threw me off was the metal type of music. That was throughout the movie, a lot of guitar, playing chords. I just didn't think it fit. Okay. What did I you rate you. it? So I, I was very torn on this one as well. My initial thought was a five as well. Uh, but I liked it more than an average movie. To me, this is slightly better. And I think the fact that we just watched Halloween 5 yesterday and reviewed Halloween 5 really made me think that this one was above average. Uh, so... I was originally going to give it a 7, but I ended up settling on a 6 because I think that I'm only thinking of it so highly because I'm comparing it to the last one, which was absolutely terrible, and I need to look at it in its own right. Um, Michael Myers, for the most part, felt much more like Michael Myers. The biggest thing for this one to me is Loomis was back to being Loomis. He yeah. he didn't feel like a child beater uh <laughs> No. <laughs> and just screaming at random people for no good reason. He acted just like Loomis did throughout the whole thing. Um, the storyline for it, I was not crazy about, but they did keep continuity from the last movie, which I appreciate. Um, so it they, was told well. Yeah, for what it was, it, it was done relatively well. There were still a lot of unanswered questions with this being the last in the trilogy that I would have preferred them answering. But overall... This is an above-average movie. It's pretty good. It's not one that I'm going to put on constant replay or have to watch every year. But if it's on, I'm not going to be disappointed that it's on, and I'll definitely finish the movie. Makes sense. Yep. So from here, let's uh, go over a couple things of trivia. Now, keep in mind, some of these could be spoilerific. So uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's at this point that I would stop tuning in. And uh, go check out the movie for yourself to let me know what you think of it. I do believe for this one specifically, you need to watch the movie prior to this to have a better understanding. Yes. Uh, while technically the trilogy is four, five, and six, I believe because they go so far out of what happened in four, that one's not necessary viewing, but five definitely is. Yes. Um, so some of the trivia that I found is the producers of this movie wanted Brian Andrews to reprise his role as Tommy Doyle from the original Halloween movie. However, Andrews did not have an agent, so they could not get in contact with him. And he since stated that he regress, uh, regretted missing the opportunity. Absolutely. So, that sucks. That really does. <laughs> like, how hard did they actually try? Did they just go, hey, does he have an agent? No. Ah, fuck it. All right. Get, yeah. get Paul Rudd. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, getting Paul Rudd in your movie, that's not a bad get. Uh, and I think that it ended up helping quite a bit, um, the movie in the long run, because people know Paul Rudd, so they are more willing to go see this movie, whether they're a Halloween uh, not or not. 
Uh, typically, people won't jump into the sixth film in a series unless if they have a reason to. This could give somebody the reason to. So I can see that. Um, disappointing for Brian Andrews, but very positive for uh, the movie overall. This is Paul Rudd's uh, film debut, and it was filmed before Clueless, Clueless, but Clueless, I believe, was his first big screen appearance. So it was filmed before Clueless, but Clueless got on the screen first. Okay. Um, it was Daniel uh, Farlands, who's one of the writers for this film, who suggested that the film be called The Curse of Michael Myers because they had so much trouble during the production of this movie. So they thought the curse of Michael Myers was they could not produce this movie. This movie came out six years after the uh, Halloween 5 ended. So you can tell that they were just in a legal hell trying to get this thing created, which was pretty cool. The original movie title for this was Halloween 666, The Origin of Michael Myers. Uh, And there are even existing ad prints. So they printed ads with that title in it, but they ended up changing it to uh, Halloween 6. And then finally they settled on Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. That's neat. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, And as a result of Donald Pleasant's death, as well as creative differences between Joe Chappell and the producer and allegedly bad test screening of the original work, the famous producer's cut, uh, reshoots were done as well as a lot of editing to the anger of most of the cast and crew. Many vowed never to work on a Halloween movie again after all the changes. So Donald Pleasance did die during the filming of this, I believe, or before it was actually released. Um, I was going to say, he didn't look the healthiest in the movie. Yep, you can tell via the ending that there had to be some heavy editing scripts, and it's a shame because I think that the ending of this was a big plot hole. Yeah. Um, it even says in early 1995, after filming and editing was complete, Halloween 6 was given a test screen, which is described by actress uh, Marianne Hagen, consisted primarily of 14-year-old boys. Uh, during the question and answer afterward, one of them expressed great displeasure at the ending of the film, which entailed the Celtic ritual and the passing of the curse. Uh to the Loomis character, so Dr. Loomis would have ended up having the curse. And this had eventually led to reshoots to craft a new ending because there was a big problem. Donald Pleasance, yeah, I can't talk, could not be present for them on account of having died in February. So he did die shortly after the filming happened, and they wanted to reshoot the ending with him, but they couldn't. Um, not Obviously. only, yeah, not only was the new ending shot anyway, but over 20 minutes of other footage was changed as well, leaving gaping plot holes that rendered the film nearly incomprehensible. So I, I wouldn't say the film was nearly incomprehensible, but there are definitely major plot yes. holes inside of this movie. Yes. All right. Uh, I think that this is time that we're going to get into a scene by scene breakdown. So the movie opens up uh, with complete seizure-induced sing flashes. Yeah. <laughs> flash, 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 flash. I don't like and it. And just people screaming. Like, I, I love horror movies. I don't mind screaming. But when it's just screaming just to scream, it was driving me nuts. Goes right uh, through you. Yeah, and then a, a title card that looks like it was done on Microsoft Word. <laughs> it was just the words. Like a kid ha- did it. Halloween. Curse of Michael Myers. Okay. Construction paper. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was rough. So we open up uh, 
the movie and it's nothing but strobe lights and flashing and strobe lights and flashing. It's Jamie on a stretcher going through um, some tunnel. It originally starts out looking like it's uh, maybe a hospital corridor yeah. and then it turns into some dungeon tunnel. tunnel. I said, what the heck kind of hospital is this? Yeah, it's, well, it's an underground dungeon hospital, obviously. Now I know. Uh, <laughs> you don't I'm know thinking, about if these? I'm pregnant, giving birth in a hospital like that, what? Not a care in the world, then. You know that you're in good hands. Because um, they care about that baby. Yeah. when they care about that baby, the baby will be just fine. Just fine. And they end up in an underground dungeon with candles and torches everywhere, and there's a bunch of people in robes. Super uh, sanitary. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, this movie's going somewhere. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know whether it's going somewhere good or not, but it at least explains S&M Boots guy in the first one. <laughs> so, uh, in Halloween 5, there's a dude that just follows him around in a robe and boots, but they never explain the person at all. And this is the awesome plot that you're trying to decipher in the first one, and it... It's here. So I, I guess great. that's something. So Jamie is giving birth to her child there. And uh, as soon as she's done giving birth, she's begging for her son. And uh, the people just kind of look at her and then walk away. And they walk away with her baby. So now we're in some sacrificial looking room. Uh, and there's some commentary breakdown about Michael Myers and the mayhem that he rings and it's only there for sacrifice so that way it can appease Sam Hain and it was a little bit confusing and I don't like commentary it trying to explain a bad plot and that's what this was and yeah. it didn't do it well either nope. um, not, not to mention I don't like commentary in this franchise series where there is no commentary up to this point so if this was a thing since the first movie all right, I'm down for it. I, I typically don't like commentary in a movie trying to give you the plot, but if it's there from the beginning, then I get it. This case, it's not. Um, so the commentary is talking about how Jamie Lloyd is the only surviving member of Michael Myers' uh, family, and uh, the people were basically controlling Michael along this path, and they're performing a ritual on the baby during the commentary. So... They're putting the symbol that's on Michael Myers' wrist on the baby. Uh, and it just keeps going forever. And it, it didn't make much sense, but whatever. So from here, we go back to Jamie, who's now crying in uh, the uh, stretcher that they bring her in on. And some nurse runs in and gives her the baby and says, come with me if you, you want to live. Uh, Up until this point, we didn't know that was Jamie. No. Uh, the commentary person mentioned it but at the opening of the movie you didn't and you wouldn't know that because she's much older so in halloween five jamie is probably 10 yeah someplace in there i believe because in the fourth one she might have been nine she's either nine or ten i remember luma specifically saying something like she was uh, nine a nine-year-old coffin she was nine so with this being six years later, that means that she's only 15. And if that's the case, then these people are getting a 15 year kidnapping and getting a 15 year old pregnant. Yeah. Super weird. Super fucked up. Not just weird. Well, fucked up, but. I mean, that's a 15 year old. 
the, the math didn't add and up getting to me. pregnant the math didn't um, add up so now there is another member of the myers family basically um so the nurse hands her the baby and she says follow me if you want to live uh, very Terminator-like line, but <laughs> it, it works to push the plot forward, and that's what we really need at this point. So uh, from here, uh, she's running away, and the nurse is just looking uh, very uncomfortable, and then Michael Myers comes, grabs her by the throat, shoves her into a spike in the wall, uh, which plunges through her head, and then she hangs to the wall, kind of like a tribute to the first movie when... Uh, Meyer stabs Bob into the wall. Thought that was pretty cool. Very neat kill. He also did the head tilt mm -hmm. back and forth, eyeing it over, looking at it over. Yeah, it's feeling like the Michael Myers bold at this point, which is good. Now, is this the same Michael Myers actor? Yes, as the last movie. As the last movie. Yep. Yep. Um, so from here, uh, Jamie is running out of the building. And uh, she see like she takes the long road apparently, and Michael just comes from a cellar door trap, um, and she sees this, so she steals a man's truck, and she's trying to explain to the man to get in the car as well, uh, but the guy's just like, "What the hell are you doing? Stealing my truck? Get out!" And Michael comes up from behind the guy and just snaps his neck, like, "What a dick, Jamie." <laughs> Get the guy in the truck somehow. Be like, there's a guy killing me. Come with me. Instead of just, I'm going to steal your truck and here's why. So now she got this guy killed and stole his truck. Yep. <laughs> um, and now we are at a completely different scene. We're now at the Myers house. And there's this kid, Danny, who's getting a like flash scenes of robed men saying kill for him. And... Uh, Tells his mom they seeing it, but obviously mom doesn't believe it. Um, so Kara, the mom, um, goes over towards the wall, and he has a drawing on the wall of the Michael Myers tattoo. So from his visions, he's seeing this uh, symbol, and he's drawing it. Uh, and now we go downstairs, and the radio is on, and this radio broadcast is everywhere. It's uh, talk radio. And in it, they're talking about Michael Myers, basically. They're saying ha Haddonfield cancels Halloween, uh, and it has canceled it since 1989, since Michael Myers and uh, Jamie have been missing. So the end of Halloween 5, uh, Jamie finds the prison cell empty. So at this point, they uh, tell you that Jamie's been missing since then. So she's been gone a very long time. Uh, Tommy Doyle now calls into the radio station. Tommy Doyle is from the original movie. She's the kid that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode, was babysitting. Um, I liked that connection. Yeah, it's it's always good when a movie can bring back some of its original characters. It's a shame when they aren't acted by the original actors. Sometimes there's good reasons. This time it's out of laziness, I think. Yeah. But either way, it's good to see the original characters come back in. I agree. Uh, and in this case, he's calling into the radio station, and he's being paranoid. Almost seems like he's the new Loomis, and he's saying Michael's still alive, and he's going to kill again. He's had no sightings, purpose to think yeah. that. He doesn't have sightings. He doesn't know if the neighbor has sightings yet. Uh, there's been no reports of Michael coming back, but somehow he knows. Yeah. Um, maybe he has some type of connection, but it, it's just weird. 
Uh, so everybody is listening to that show, including the newly retired Loomis. So Loomis uh, shows up on the screen and he just basically says to the camera, I'm retired. <laughs> so weird. And then it goes back to Jamie, who's entering the local bus station, completely empty. So she must have came in the middle of the night when nobody's working or the person working was just taking a break because it's the middle of the night. And she's got the baby. The radio is playing uh, the broadcast that everybody can hear. She tries calling the Haddonfield Emergency Services, but the line is disconnected. Those cops in Haddonfield suck. Maybe they should have kept the clown noises for them if they had an <laughs> effect one. I say, they hire new cops, but same problems. Yep. I would so, not want to be a cop in that town. So Jamie, instead of dialing 911, uh, somehow she had Haddonfield's police number in her head for the past five years. Uh, she now decides to call the radio station because the radio station said their number. And she's asking for help. Help, help, please, anybody help me. Loomis, if you're listening, please help me. And Loomis, of course, was listening because, you know, he was. He's retired. Yeah, he's retired. So he just listens to the talk radio about Michael Myers instead of talking about him himself. Uh, power gets cut out to the bus station because Michael Myers is there. So Jamie goes to the bathroom to hide, and she hides in a bathroom stall. Uh, and Michael Myers is checking the stalls one by one, and there happens to be a magical door in the stall that she's in where she escapes out to the truck. I believe that it's meant to be a window, um, but it was so low to the ground that, uh, it, first off, you don't see it when she's hiding there, right. and then it looks like a door. Yeah, <laughs> It's gigantic, and it just swings right open. Yeah. Uh, so the magical door that she escapes gets in the truck, and now she's in the car chase. I believe that it's Myers is chasing her in the car behind her. Uh, she gets rammed off the road by the van that's chasing her. And now she's in a pumpkin farm. How fun. <laughs> so it is Halloween. Uh, so now she's walking around the barn without the baby. And I, I stopped and looked at Stacey. I was like, where's the baby? <laughs> we both looked at each other and said, where's the baby? Yeah. So they, they don't explain that yet, and she keeps seeing Michael, and it almost looks like she's seeing visions of Michael, because he'll be there, and then he'll disappear, and then he'll be there, and then he'll disappear. It's like a lightning effect. Yeah, but, I mean, they, she doesn't get visions of it. Well, I guess that she did. So maybe this is some type of connection that they have to where he can make her see things that aren't there. But either way, Michael is there. He ends up choking her and impaling her through a fucking pitch, like a hay baling machine. Awesome, awesome death. Yeah, it was And he goes death. over and then turns it on and it just drives through her stomach. And she looks at him and she's like, you can't have the baby, Michael. And uh, he turns the harvester on and just walks away. Awesome death scene. Super cool. Although it sucks when they kill a... They did the same shit in Halloween 5 where with Rachel. They have this pivotal character and they kill the character five minutes into the movie. They did yeah, the same exact thing that. here. Like, fucking stop. The whole point of having these franchises is to have continual characters throughout them. Somebody to root for, not just make a new person to root for every movie. We should have timed how long they had Rachel in the movie for carry over and Jamie and yeah, see well, who won. Now at least Jamie had a little bit bigger of a role in this one compared to Rachel who was just there to show that she went in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> with a towel. Yeah. Go to the neighbor. I mean I mean she's hot, so that helps. But 
from here, uh, we get to assign Haddonfield, Halloween Day. So we're back to title cards, and now we know that it's Halloween Day. Uh, so the Strode family is sitting down at the table for breakfast, and the dad is just being this dickhead uh, to everybody at the table. Uh, Kara, his daughter, Kara Strode, is talking to him, and uh, he ends up slapping her like in the face and just yelling at her. And then you look down, and the little kid Danny is just sit, standing there holding a knife towards him. Don't mess with his mom. His family's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so from here, uh, Jamie Lloyd's body is found outside of Haddonfield, and Tommy Doyle is a fucking creeper who stares out windows. <laughs> uh uh, what's her name? Kara is in her house, just in her underwear. She looks out the window, and Tommy's there with the camera facing towards her window and just staring. I know. I thought that was <laughs> like, so strange. He sees that she sees him, but he just keeps, keeps staring. Looking. Yeah. yeah, keep looking. Yeah, no, nineteen ninety-five. Who cares? <laughs> uh, so from here, uh, Tommy Doyle's entire life is consumed by Michael Myers. It goes from there to going inside of his room and it, it, everywhere around is Michael Myers things, newspaper clippings and this and that. Um, so from here, he g goes to the bus station and he's looking around because he was listening to the radio the last night as well and he heard uh, Jamie's voice. So he's looking around and he sees a blood stain on the chair and follows it out to the bathroom. And But he feels... He feels the need to taste the blood. I didn't notice <laughs> that. where he like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking blood, idiot. I said there's blood all over the the bus station, but nobody else noticed. Yeah, nobody. The bus, is, bus station's busy. There's a lot of people in there. Nobody noticed all And it's all not like blood. a little bit of blood. It's a trail leading From, to the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, all right, I guess that's normal. Uh, it's bus stuff. Um, <laughs> and then he finds a baby in the cabinet. Um, and instantly he's in love. Uh, and it starts crying. How did a baby stay in there and nobody noticed? Yeah. yeah well, These people. <laughs> well, they're not in Haddonfield, so they probably do have a police station there that's competent. Who knows? Somebody should have called. Either way, he finds the baby, and now we're back to Loomis, who's uh, with Dr. Wynn, and they're standing outside of a burnt-down house somewhere. Uh, didn't really explain who burnt the house down or where it was. I originally thought that it was the Myers house, but it's clearly not. Um, and it has the same mark burnt into it uh, that Myers has on his wrist. That was the farm. Oh, was that the farm? It was okay. the farm. It was on bales of hay. Gotcha, gotcha. But So that that was in there. Um, and now we're back to Kara. So we're jumping from person to person to person. And Kara finds a drawing of her family being stabbed that Danny drew. Uh Okay, and now we're back to Tommy, who asked the doc, uh, asked to see a doctor. He goes to the ER, and he just starts screaming at the front desk, like, "I need to see a doctor." And they're like, "Okay, well, what are you here for? For a baby?" Uh, okay, so what's wrong? Get just gave me a goddamn doctor <laughs> like that. Has that ever worked? Like, they kind of need to know what's going on, man. <laughs> you can't just say I need to see a doctor. I have a baby, and it's crying. <laughs> But uh, that's what he does, and she's like, okay, no problem. She ends up calling the security because no shit. The guy's a fucking idiot. Um, so he sees Dr. Loomis at the hospital because Loomis is everywhere, man. Wherever he needs to be, that's where Loomis is. Um, 
And Tommy's talking to Loomis saying, hey, do you remember me? And Loomis didn't, but then he explained it and instantly Loomis knew exactly where he was. Security started coming, so Tommy quickly just tells Loomis, hey, meet me over at the uh, fair tonight at 9. So we're back to Myers inside of his old house um, that the Schrodes moved into, and Kara's mom is at the house, and they lose power. So she goes down to the basement, uh, realizes that the dryer's all messed up, um, and... It was so a then wash it, machine. It, yeah, it, then it flashes to Tommy Doyle, who's just naming his kid Stephen. And now we're back to Lori, who wants to give Deborah Schrode as many awesome Loomis lines as he can. So, <laughs> uh, it's weird. This movie is just weird. How much is jumping around back and forth, back and forth. I thought it was weird forth. that they put the Strodes in the Meyer house. Yeah. And then, like, really didn't explain it. They do later on in the film. They do explain it, and it, it comes up relatively soon from here. But it um, was just weird to me that all of a sudden they're in the Myers house. Yeah, if you're a Strode, you're probably going to know that story. Right. Uh, I mean, not only was it absolutely massive, but Lori died. Uh, right. And, so wouldn't that be in the family history Yeah. of... Hey, we had a family member that was massacred by mm -hmm. a My Myers. And this is his house right. in Haddonfield. Right. Like, I, I probably wouldn't move to Haddonfield. Not at all. Let home. alone that house. Yeah. Well, Billy's walking home from school now, and uh, he sees a robed man next to a van. And then as he's staring at that guy, Tommy Doyle walks into him, spooks him, and then he drops his pumpkin, which I thought was pretty cool because it's just like Tommy Doyle in the first movie, how he gets bullied to dropping his pumpkin. Yeah, that was a neat little uh, yeah. scene. Uh, to Tommy was being super friendly to him and uh, apologizes for it. And now we're back to uh, Deborah Strobe, uh, who's over in her house, and she calls John and telling him, you're a dick. How did you not know that this was Meyer's house. Um, she found out somehow. I forget exactly how. Um, or it was Loomis. Loomis called her and kind of warned her of it. And she's telling him, uh, I, I can't believe you probably knew that's how you got the house because it couldn't sell, isn't it? Uh, they tried selling it. They couldn't sell it. So then you got it and didn't tell us. Because it was your brother's house. Yeah. Yeah. So she packs a bag and she's getting ready to leave. And uh, uh, from here, Michael Myers is basically stalking her and ends up killing her in the backyard. She runs like she's never ran ever. Yeah. Uh, Myers kills her in the backyard with an axe swipe. Uh, very boring kill. Doesn't I, show anything. It just had a spatter of blood on a bed I sheet. liked the blood spatter on the sheet. I've seen it done so many times in so many horror movies that it just felt completely unoriginal. <laughs> That's where uh, we disagree. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's because I've seen it a hundred times. And but this is my first time. I, I like original kills. This felt very much like a Friday the 13th kill, not a uh, Halloween kill. I could see that. Um, so from here, Kara's trying to get into the house, but it's locked from the inside. So she has to go around the house. And at this point, you hear a dog barking in the background. I wrote, of course, because a dog has to die. 
Thankfully, the dog has nothing else to do with the movie. Yes. The dog doesn't die. Yes. They <laughs> but got the memo. I, I was so positive that it would happen, and I was very glad that it didn't. Yes. Uh, so she comes inside from the back door because it was still unlocked, and she's searching all over the place Can for her mom. Can we go back to that dog thing? Yeah. Now, does that change your viewpoint in a movie if a dog or an animal dies? It doesn't change my viewpoint overall of the movie. I just don't enjoy it when it happens, unless if it's needed for the plot. Uh, for a big example, one of the best ones that I can think of is the movie I Am Legend. I was just going to say that. Uh, Will Smith and the dog. The dog played such a big part of the movie that, that when the dog passed, you felt so much emotion running through that if that scene wasn't in there and the dog was just fine, the movie would not have hit as heavily. Like, it wouldn't have shown that the stakes were as high as they are. Yes. Because at that point, that's his best friend. But when a uh, dog just dies just to die, I care more about dogs than I do people most of the time. Yes. Uh, in, in these movies, and kind of in real life. Uh, <laughs> Who are you kidding? Yeah. It's in real life. Yeah, I have my plot hound. Nobody knows what the hell a plot hound is, but I love that dog. And if something weird happened to her, it would hurt worse than if a stranger died. Um, so I hate it when a dog dies just to die in a movie. But is it going to raise or lower my how I view a movie? Not really. I'm I not going to enjoy that how scene. They die. If, I'm, obviously, if it's like a horror movie and the killer kills the dog, it changes my point of view. But if it's like an accident, like hit by a car, maybe. But I think it depends. Yeah. It it goes back to is it plot driven or not for me. If it the death of the animal has to do with character development or moving the plot forward, then I can see why it's there. But if it's there just to be there, I don't like that. Movies like Old Yeller and stuff like that, it's very much there to be – that is the driving force of the movie. I've Um, never seen Old Yeller. No, don't. Uh, We'll do nothing but depressing. you you spoiled it. That's like seeing Marley and Me, nothing but depressing stuff. Oh, I love Marley and Me. I hate Marley and Me. Well, I mean I love it. I hate it. I I love it, it, but I hate it. Anyways, so going back into it, um, Kara's going into her house – uh, she's trying to find her mom because the front door is bolted, pad bolted from the inside. So she knows that her mom's still there because obviously it's padlocked. Right. Uh, and as she walks into her house, Tommy Doyle is in her house upstairs with Danny, the little boy. And she's never met in? Tommy Doyle before. Through the back door because it's unlocked. Oh, okay. Um, so she's asking, who are you and why are you in my house? You and Danny just goes, oh, this is Tommy Doyle, our neighbor. He's my friend. He met me today. He likes dinosaurs, too. <laughs> and she's mom is now cool with that. Like, okay. As long makes as sense. he likes dinosaurs. He likes dinosaurs. Good, good for him. Good so Tommy Doyle says, hey, we need to go to my house. We need to get the hell out of here. And she's not listening to him. And then he explains about Michael Myers and how this is his house. And then she agrees, and they go inside of his house, and you see how obsessed Danny is, or not Danny, uh, Tommy Doyle is with Michael Myers at this point. Everywhere, everywhere in his house. It's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, And he explains to her, hey, you can see your house from my window. And she's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you staring at me in my underwear. You saw inside my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So from here... um, Tommy says, hey, you guys got to uh, stay here. I saw this symbol on this baby 
which is Laurie Strode's, or not Laurie, uh, Jamie, Jamie's daughter. So this is Michael Myers' last living relative. This is what's going down the thing, and it's supposed to be part of Michael's final sacrifice because he's showing her on the computer like all these runes that he looked up in the thorn uh, rune is the symbol that's all over there, and it's a curse of thorn is like a blood sacrifice to spare lives. So that's what he's thinking this is all about. So he leaves to talk to Loomis and tells them, hey, stay here. Yeah. Um, so they go downstairs, and they're talking to Mrs. Blankenship. I guess that uh, Tommy splits rent or something with her. She lives downstairs, and he lives upstairs is my guess of... What's I going thought on they there? hinted that it was a boarding house, that he was at the boarding house. Huh. It, it could be. I, I don't know. They didn't, I really, didn't really catch on to her occupation. But she's there, and she's talking to Danny basically about how fucked up Halloween used to be, and it's not just about candy and masks anymore. It's about Sam Hain. She mentions that several times because it was in Halloween, too, and it's fun to bring it up again. So as she's talking, there are lightning strikes, and you can see Michael hiding in the background. I love seeing it. I love seeing it. They do this throughout so many Halloween movies, and I'll never get sick of it. Yeah, I like when they don't necessarily focus on the background, but he's in the background. Yeah. And they don't make a big deal of it either. So he'll be in the background in the next scene. He's not. And if you missed it, it's not like you missed a plot point to the movie. It's just I find myself staring in the movie sometimes thinking maybe I'm seeing things because I'm so invested in that background feature. That sometimes I think I see him and he's not actually there. Yep. So John Strode comes home now and he's drunk as a skunk, hits the bike in his own driveway. Thank God there's not a kid in it because, damn, this guy does not care. Uh, he All walks disheveled. inside. Yeah. <laughs> he walks inside and the power cuts out. So he thinks somebody's messing with him. He's like, oh, I know what this is. Somebody's, oh, Michael Myers must be in here. It's yeah, the he's boogeyman. He's himself. Yep. So he goes down to the basement. Uh, and he can hear the washing machine going off, which power's cut. So how did that happen? Uh, He's wondering where his wife is, and she and he says she actually left. Yeah. Left. Yeah. Like he, he was surprised. He was surprised. Um, so he goes downstairs, and Michael Myers just starts beating the fuck out of him, and then he shoves him into the electric box. Uh, so he must have just hit a breaker to turn the lights off and left him power on and it's such a gruesome death because he's slowly electrocuting to death and foaming and his skin is kind of boiling off really cool (laughs) and he just blows the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) oh man i love horror movies (laughs) so so nonsensical but it was awesome yeah so from here we're back at the fair now and the radio station go figure is there and they're live and he's talking to tim strode and he finds out he, the radio DJ, tells Tim, hey, you guys live in the Myers house. And he's like, no, I what? don't. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you live in the Myers house. Huh? I guess I live in the Myers house. So then the radio station guy just ends the show abruptly and uh, decides that he's going to continue the show in the Myers house. That's going to increase the ratings. Again, um, how does he not know about that house? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but none of them did, so it's a consistent thing. The only person who knew was John who bought the house. Right. So nobody in the family knew. Um, so uh, Myers is in a van, and instantly, as soon as the radio station guy goes in, he just stabs him to death. He stabs him five or six times. Now we're back to Beth and Tim 
at the Myers house and they arrive there and the power's out. Um, and they decide, oh, whatever, let's go have sex upstairs anyway. Who cares? Yeah, Beth power's tries out. to turn Tim on by acting out the murder of Myers' sister. Yeah. <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> but it worked. Um, so we're back at the fair and Tommy sees a little kid going, oh, it's raining red. It's warm. Well, the radio station DJ's body was strung up in a tree, and then as soon as he looked up, the branch broke and fell down, so the kid was getting blood rained on her. That's so weird. <laughs> it was funny. I, I liked it. Uh, and from here, uh, Loomis sees the body and asks where the baby is. Uh, now they pan back to Beth and Tim in the house having sex, and uh, Tim goes to have a shower asks Beth to get him the towel, and then Michael Myers hands him a towel. Here <laughs> <laughs> you go, sweetie. Which was pretty funny. You can see that they really emphasized the tattoo on his hand to show that it's him, as if all the jacked-up veins in his wrist didn't give it away. Um, he says, okay, thanks, babe. I'll meet you in the bathroom. <laughs> or in the bedroom. And uh, so Michael Myers slits his throat, and uh, now we're in the other house, and Kara is looking through the window at her house like she was told, and Billy's with her. And they call Beth to say, get the hell out of the house. Danny. No. They call Beth. No, I'm saying Danny was with her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Billy. Danny. I messed up the names. Um, and she's saying, uh, you guys need to get out of the house. I can see somebody's in there with you. And then they visually see her get stabbed to death in the bedroom. But Kara still runs into the house unarmed. Uh, after seeing her uh, friend get stabbed to death, and she grabs a fire poker and walks up the stairs. Beth is in her bed, and she slowly unveils that she's dead, and Tim is dead in the bed as well. Danny is now in the house behind her as well, and it's almost like he got hypnotized, walked in there. Uh, he's completely zoned out, so she's shaking him, trying to get him to, and as she's shaking him, Myers appears behind her. Um... So she runs away. Her mom's body falls down. So that was triggered as well, which was pretty cool. Um, Myers is chasing her and she trips him. And he has he falls down the stairs and what looks very violently. Yeah. Um, I, I, you, horror movies specifically can make falling down the stairs either look comically stupid or horrendously horrifying. This did a very good job of making it look like it truly hurt him. Yeah. Um, so from here, uh, Danny is once again hypnotized and standing on the other side of Myers. So she slowly tries to go over him to grab Danny. And then as she's walking away with him, Myers grabs her ankle and squeezes. It almost sounded like it broke. Yeah. Obviously didn't because she's running away. I, I would have preferred it if it broke, um, because then it would have, uh, brought a little bit more terror to the situation. But either way, uh, she starts running away, and this is where industrial music starts playing in the background. It sounds awesome. I love the music, but it does not fit this movie at all. Not at all. Uh, it's so industrial. It sounds like Nine Inch Nails on crack. Yeah, uh, a lot of guitar riffs. Guitar riffs. It sounds really grungy, a lot of dark drums. Uh, it sounds awesome, but not for this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they played the Halloween theme score at all throughout the entire run of this movie. I could I, be wrong. I think I heard 
a version of it, but it wasn't super recognizable. They, they must not have uh, put it to the forefront because I didn't really notice it. So from here, uh, Kara and Danny are banging on the door and Tommy Doyle lets them in despite uh, Loomis following. The baby is gone. Um, I said they lost the baby again. Yeah, they lost it again. That baby gets away quick. Yeah. And uh, they were saying, how the hell did they... How's the baby gone? Nobody knows about this except for you. And Loomis told Dr. Wynn. So he instantly knows where the, excuse me, where the baby is because uh, Dr. Wynn likes to play games like this. So they end up uh, heading to the sanitarium where uh, Myers was held. That's where they think that the kid is. And at this point, Danny is starting to hear... Uh, the voice. The voice of the man in the robe. Uh, and Danny walks away. And we find out Dr. Min is that man in the robe. There are tons of people from the cult inside of this house. Uh, and then Kara face dives out of a window to try and get away. <laughs> it's the stupidest kill. She didn't die. At the time, I didn't know she didn't die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she face dives out to avoid getting kidnapped, basically, by this cult. And she ends up getting knocked unconscious on the fall down. Uh, so it didn't work to her advantage. Did not work. And uh, Kara wakes up in a cot in an asylum. And you hear a whole bunch of screaming happening in the background. Tommy and Loomis both wake up. And uh, they were both drugged. And they're, they're throwing Loomis quotes at each other, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Uh, Loomis is making quotes like, uh, you know, you can't stop him, right? And Tommy goes back on, nothing can stop him. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going back and forth. It's awesome. Uh, so from here, Loomis meets up with Dr. Wynn and Tommy runs after him screaming. Uh, Loomis says to Wynn, I thought Michael was a monster, but you... <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting more of this stuff now tommy is going in a separate direction and he ends up entering the maximum security ward where some person is talking to him super not secure everything was unlocked yeah um yeah and i i don't know if this i'm assuming the security ward is shut down it looks completely shut down and run down so it's obviously going to be unlocked um, one really cool thing that I noticed here, and I noticed it right away, and I looked it up just to confirm, Kara is locked in room 237. 237 is the room from The Shining. Really? Where the lady is in the tub. That's the room that uh, Danny couldn't go in. That's weird. So it's a, it's a reference uh, going to Stephen King, which I think that the name of the baby is also a reference to Stephen King. So this is showing love to the Stephen well, King Well, and her, her son is Danny. Yeah, so you got Danny Torrance, you got the baby named Stephen, now you have room 237, so I thought that this was all really cool. That's really so, cool to plant those little Easter eggs. Yeah, but it's weird because it's nowhere in the same universe. But anyway, I, I just noticed that, I thought that it was cool. I that love cool. Stephen King stuff, so I spot that stuff out pretty easy. Awesome. Uh, so from here, Tommy is trying to kick the door open, and then he sees Michael, and then you got this industrial music start kicking in. I'm, I'm loving it. I love this music. It does not fit this movie at all. It does not fit this scene at all. Like, this would be a very good scene for the Halloween theme. Yeah. Do, 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 Instead of... <laughs> I said Tommy and Myers had, like, a bro moment with that music. 
What up, bro? How's mm-hmm. it going over there, bro? So they break her out and uh, they run and slam the gate shut. And Michael grabs um, Kara by the hair and he, Tommy, quickly finds some riot gear and shoots Michael Myers so that way they can run away. And now there's uh, about a dozen people prepping with Dr. Wynn to perform some type of surgery between Danny and the baby. I, I don't quite understand what they were trying to do. Yeah. But they were trying to do something. And uh, they were controlling Michael Myers, who was basically patrolling outside of the room to make sure that nothing bad happens. And Michael enters the room with Dr. Wynn and starts fucking up all the assistants, like brutally killing them. So this is them saying, you cannot control this man. Yeah. This man is emotionless. He is going to kill without warning, whether you're doing things that you think are for him or not. You're a cult there to help Michael Myers, but he doesn't give a shit. He's going to kill you. I thought this was a neat scene, the way it was set up with the strobing of the lights, the flashing in and out of him killing everybody. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a pretty cool scene setup. I wrote down, hope strobe lights don't affect you. <laughs> because if they do, you're going to die in the scene. <laughs> There's so much. It it's was so bad. much strobe. And I enjoyed it. It definitely added to the chaos of it, but it was still a lot to take in. Um, so from here... Uh, it, this is where the big, big, big plot holes in this movie come out. Um, and it's towards the end of the movie. You don't really know what they were trying to do. Are they trying to transfer the soul of the baby into Danny? Are they trying to transfer Danny into the baby? Or... Yeah, why was Danny getting these visions? Yeah, it doesn't explain the stuff well, especially if Danny is supposedly not a direct relative of him. Why is all this happening? You don't know, and it doesn't do a good job explaining it. Um, So from here, there's one assistant left alive, and uh, Tommy and Kara run with Danny to leave, and uh, the assistant is running behind them to try and escape as well, but they shut the gate. Michael Myers grabs this assistant's head, shoves it into the gate so many times that the steel gate falls off the hinges. Awesome kill. Uh, so f- from here, it's just a mixture of uh, Tommy trying to drug out Michael Myers and Kara beating the fuck out of Michael Myers with a steel pipe. Like, they go hard with a steel pipe, and yes. they're hitting the shit out of him, and Tommy is injecting him with more fluid, and then Tommy starts beating the fuck out of Michael with the steel pipe. Uh, very cool scene. They are beating the ever-loving shit out of Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, to the point where um, Loomis shows up, and Tommy's just like, nah, I'm going to keep doing this. You guys head out. So yeah. everybody leaves except for Tommy, who's still beating the fuck out of Michael yeah. uh, well after everybody leaves. And then finally he decides this is enough. Uh, he leaves as well, and... Uh, Everybody's in the car except for Loomis. Loomis says, I need to take care of some stuff. They leave in the car. It shows Michael Myers' mask, but no Michael Myers, so he lives. And then, in memory of Donald Pleasant's roll credits. Yeah. Definitely some question marks there. Um, Well, based on them saying that they wanted to transfer the curse to... Uh, Loomis and they had to redo some scenes I could see where that falls yeah. 
But then why didn't they just tie it up a different way? Yeah, bring the narrator back out, have uh, Tommy Doyle explain some stuff, something. Something. Uh, I didn't enjoy the exact way that this one ended, but the reason that I gave it such a high rating, despite major plot holes in the movie, was the kills were really original, they were creative, they were gruesome, the practical effects for them were very good, the story tried its best to correct the mistakes of the movie before it it still had problems but it was far in a way better than the last one and uh the characters did pretty well overall that we didn't have goofiness like clown noises when people were walking around or anything just completely like what the hell is this uh overall it was an enjoyable movie it had major plot holes but Overall, I had a good time with this movie. I was super sad that Loomis actually died in real life. Yeah, I I don't think you knew that, did you? I did not. Yeah, and that's why he's not in the uh, future uh, movies from here. But What did he die from, just old age? I never looked it up, so maybe I'll look it up and then that'll be in the next episode. Um, But the next episode that we are going to be reviewing is going to be Halloween Resurrection, the And we'll have talks about that after the movie. (laughs) Till next time, this has been the Horror's Edge podcast. My name's Phil. And I'm Stacy. We'll see you next time.